extreme south-central area of Michigan, near the Indiana state line. These hills are reminiscent of the Berkshires in Massachusetts, and were created several thousand years ago by glaciers that plowed the land and dumped massive piles of dirt and rock, called terminal moraine. The glaciers furled out huge, thousand-foot-high hills. As the glaciers melted, they left shiny, silvery lakes of fresh water spread across the southern part of Michigan. The area was densely overgrown by towering evergreen trees as well as oaks and hickories. Vegetation struggled with its neighbor to reach upwards for the sunlight. Strange flora grew in the bogs and swampy areas abounding in these ancient lowlands. Peggy Sue and I were impressed with this remote wilderness. Through the veil of white, fluffy snow that covered virtually everything, we visualized it in springtime. The area would be crawling with all sorts of wildlife because of the dense cover of the tall trees and undergrowth, and the abundance of fresh water. As I took in this incredible scene, I asked, Are there bears in this part of Michigan? Partially mesmerized, she said, There could be. This area is so far out of the way that probably everything wild, native to Michigan, lives here. I only hope I never run into one. A little Bambi would be all right, though, but not a bear. On the steepest hills, I was thankful for the road crew that had cleared the snow. This stretch would be treacherous when slippery. The cottage had better be a good deal, because this was turning out to be a lot of trouble. The caddy dropped down in a second gear as the incline steepened. We passed through the small town of Clinton about twelve miles back, so we should be turning left very soon. From the top of the hill we could see for miles. Directly in front of us, however, was an even larger hill that we still had to climb. Peggy Sue, following her scribbled notes, suggested we make a sharp curve and found the dirt road we sought. Collar Drive plunged down so steeply that I had to apply the brakes for the curve at the bottom. Water gleamed on both sides of the road, frozen now, but still showing a swamp on the right reminiscent of the bayous of Louisiana. Instead of cypress trees, however, there were these tall evergreens. So tall they blocked the bright sunlight and plunged the area into semi-darkness. Onward we drove, and soon we made out a lake through the trees and underbrush. So intent, looking at the small shack at the edge of a lake, I didn't notice the base of a huge hill on our left until I heard Peggy Sue cry out, Oh my God! I hit reverse and looked back for myself. Two massive stone pillars marked the entrance to a large estate. Twisted iron gates between the pillars were closed, blocking an asphalt driveway that wound several hundred yards up to the top of the hill. Above the wooded valley stood a solitary manor house of unbelievable grandeur. It was built of brick with a number of steeply sloping roof lines that appeared to be slate. Hundreds of windows lined the front of the mansion. A huge chimney rose four stories high and was topped by a vent that looked as big as a Volkswagen automobile. This was not a cottage. However, we were on the right road. The address on the mailbox matched that in the ad. A stake next to the mailbox held a sign that read, Cottage for Sale. Was this some kind of a joke? I hopped out of the warm caddy and trotted up to the gates. With a huge tug, they swung open wide, the hinges creaking all the way. We spun, slipped, and slid up the long drive. With a final lunge, we reached the top. Whether we could afford to buy this place or not, I wanted to get in the face of this guy who had placed the ad. He deserved a piece of my mind. I brought the car to a stop in the middle of a huge circular driveway centered by a large fountain, its water frozen into a giant ice sculpture. This was the front entrance. The back of the house, which we had seen from the bottom of the hill, 
actually faced the lake. To the left of the drive were what looked like old carriage houses, stables, and large stand of trees, apparently a fruit orchard. A four-car garage rested on one end of the mansion. I didn't worry about blocking the driveway. Who else would be stupid enough to inquire about the cottage for sale ad once he saw this house? The icy wind bent a thick column of black smoke from the massive chimney, making an inky horizontal streak across the sky. Peggy Sue noticed a single lighted window beside a small courtyard, but no one was visible. We got out of our warm, comfortable car and headed towards the massive solid oak door to huddle together in the entryway. Peggy Sue seemed to be intimidated not only by the size of the house, but also by the huge door looming in front of us. The door could have been on a medieval chateau and was a real work of art. It must have been at least seven feet tall and four feet wide. It came to a peak at the top and three handmade beaten iron hinges.